swallowed us alive had it not been the Lord who was on our side blessed be the Lord who would not give us up blessed be the Lord for his unfailing love the snare is broken and we have escaped. I singing father hear the prayer we offer it seems appropriate to begin our worship in prayer if you would bow with me dear lord in heaven hear the prayer that we offer lord we are thankful to you 
for your love for us that you would call us you would call us your children for the blessing of your son Jesus Christ for his life for his ministry for his sharing of the word with apostles that would take it around the world this great plan of salvation and we are thankful for that plan of salvation because it because it is that plan that gives us hope and knowledge that we will be with you in heaven when our days here in this temporary place on earth are over. We are thankful for that, Lord. We hope that our worship this morning is pleasing to you. We ask for forgiveness for all that we do wrong, and we ask that the Spirit fill us with everything that is promised and that we share all of those blessings with all that we come encounter and come in and come into our lives and encounter bless us as we continue this morning in worship in jesus name we pray amen good morning everybody we are glad that you are here this morning we've got many coming in in the foyer and so we'll we'll be filling up here soon but my name is mike pipkin i'm one of the elders here at preston crest we are thankful for that you're here members if you would go ahead and take the opportunity to text the word check in to the number that is now on your screen uh, so that we can note your attendance visitors if you are here with us we are thankful for that and we want to have take the opportunity to be able to uh, to meet you at our first opportunity to share what we do here at Preston Crest including our great Bible classes uh, we do have an information center out in the foyer so if you're visiting with us please stop by there uh, so that we can note your uh, your attendance with us. And we're just thankful that you are here today. Just a couple of quick announcements before we continue in, uh, in, in our worship this morning. Looking backwards, we had a, a great uh, Preston Crest, our second uh, annual Preston Crest golf tournament this last weekend. Uh, the Buchanan family was the uh, winning, winning team. We're just glad for such a great day that we were able to enjoy out at Texas Star. And we're thankful for Jacob Hawk and all of the hard work of the staff to put that together. Looking forward, we have Pumpkin Fest. And Pumpkin Fest, for those of you that may not know it, is probably the largest outreach that we do in our community here at Preston Crest. Even during the middle of the pandemic last year, we had more than 1,600 people that joined us in our parking lot uh, just for a good, a good time in the fall with, with things for the kids to do. Uh, and it's, we anticipate we're going to have a similar uh, response to our Pumpkin Fest this year, but we need your help. Uh, Rebecca Sutton is, the, is our children's ministry director. She's coordinating Pumpkin Fest, and we still have some needs. As of 7.48 this morning, uh, we have opportunities for two volunteers to work the popcorn station. Uh, we need 13 more trucks. And if you want to know more about what that is, please talk uh, to Rebecca about that. But we have an entire section of the parking lot where trucks are decorated and open, and it's an opportunity for the kids to, to do uh, trick-or-treating, so to speak, through, the, through that area. So we need 13 more trunks there. We need 20 more baked goods for the, uh, for the cakewalk. And we continue to need set up and clean up volunteers. So if you are able to do that for uh, Pumpkin Fest this coming Saturday, October 23rd, please contact Rebecca Sutton and she will take care of you. Uh, hear the word of the Lord as we read from Scripture and, and continue our time in worship. This is from Psalm chapter 86, verses 9 and 10. 
All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. Let's continue our time in worship this morning. Stand, church. Let's stand this morning and continue with our worship and song. On Jordan's army banks I stand and cast a wishful eye to
Wow. Thank you folks for, for worshiping this morning. Let's continue with that as we enter into our time of communion. Scott Wolf is going to lead us. We're going to sing one more song as we prepare for this time of communing. Oh. Bible refers to it as the wilderness. As Texans, you and I might say the country, the pasture, the woods, the sticks, the boondocks, etc. But any of those terms actually imply and reflect an area that is remote, it is unsettled, and it is distant. Once upon a time, there was a crazy preacher. And he was out in the wilderness speaking things that challenged and intrigued <clears throat> the ears and minds of his audience. The things that he spoke were so intriguing that multitudes went out from the cities into the wilderness just to see him and hear what he had to say. On one particular occasion, the crazy preacher looked up and he saw someone and he may have uttered the most stunning words that he ever said. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Behold was this crazy preacher's way of saying Sit up and pay attention. Take notice. Look. And we might have a difficult time grasping just how controversial and revolutionary those words were when spoken at that time. His audience was predominantly Jewish. 
They had a real clear vision and imagery and understanding of sacrifice and blood and atonement and sin and forgiveness. But it was always animal. This was puzzling to them because this crazy preacher is calling attention to human blood sacrifice. And not just for his sin, for your sin, Brian. For your sin, Lindsay. For my sin. Potentially for the sins of the world. A death sentence that gives life. And he said it right in front of him. Can we see this with our heart as a first century Jew? Or have we become so familiar with the imagery, the story, the lessons, the retrospect that we're not capable of being stunned anymore? This story is full of imagery. Not just the imagery of the sacrifice, but the imagery of the wilderness. Guess what? You and I are sitting, even in comfortable, affluent North Dallas, in this beautiful, comfortable building, we are sitting in the middle of the wilderness. We live in the wilderness, and perhaps, maybe there's a wilderness in our hearts. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Paul says when we partake of the Lord's Supper that we proclaim his death until he comes. That's what we're doing. This morning, you and I and all of us here are a voice crying in the wilderness. Behold the Lamb of God. Let's pray. Father, give us soft hearts. Give us a new spirit. And as we partake, bless us and help us to be able to be stunned by your grace. Bless this bread as we partake. In the name of Jesus, our sacrifice. Amen. Let's continue our prayer. Merciful God, we humble ourselves 
as we think about Christ and his blood, we understand, Father, that by your grace, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was wounded for our iniquities. Not just for them, Father, but because of them. May we see the blood. May we feel the blood. May we be blessed by your grace, and may we be stunned at your grace. In the name of Jesus, who is your grace, amen. Well, if you are in this audience prepared to give an offering this morning, you can drop that offering in the box in the middle of the foyer, or you can give online. We have uh, options for, for giving online uh, available to you as well at the, at the church website. We're going to pray in just a moment, but one of the great works that we're going to be praying for, thanking God for, is the spiritual formation ministry. And that is led primarily by Bob Chisholm. And I know many of you have been impacted and, and walked that spiritual journey with Bob. And you know how deep that is. And that's a great work of this church. Let's, uh, let's bow and thank God. Father God, we are thankful for so many opportunities that we have to give of our time, give of our resources, and now give of our money. And Father, I pray that what is given today will, will increase your kingdom, not only in this place, but outside of these walls. Father, thank you for using Bob Chisholm to help spiritually shape and form many in this church, and may many more be drawn to you through that, through your spirit. Father, thank you. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Hello, Preston Crest. This is Bob Chisholm, the Spiritual Formation Minister. But what is spiritual formation? Well, clearly the name itself gives us a clue. It's about our spirit, our soul, our inward being. And it's about allowing God to form, to shape, and to build our soul. It's not an event, a retreat, a book, or a class. It's a lifetime of giving ourselves to God, asking Him to change us from the inside, to take us from where we are to where He wants us to be. Here at Preston Crest, we offer a year-long spiritual journey where we study the spiritual disciplines. We experience weekend retreats 
of silence, solitude, and community, where we step away from our schedules and our technology, and we experience the beauty and the clarity of God's creation. We offer classes in small groups that explore the spiritual life. We provide a variety of spiritual resources, and we offer monthly one-on-one -on -one spiritual direction experiences. Check out our website and find out how spiritual formation can help you. All right, church, let's stand. We're going to send kids on up to Children's Church right now. And we'll sing one more song, and then Gordon's going to come share with us this morning. There is beyond the edge of blue. Seven twenty-eight B. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> yeah, uh, Mike mentioned already Pumpkin Fest. I'll just say again, need volunteers. You can volunteer on the website. You can talk to Rebecca if you want, but all, there's a lot of information there on the website, and you can see the empty spots and click on the one you want to serve in, or more than one if you want to bring a baked good and help out with the popcorn machine or something. But we do have plenty of spots, and I think we're going to have our biggest pumpkin fest ever this year, which means we need a lot of help. So help us out with that. This morning we are continuing, in fact concluding the pause series of we, as we have been considering this rhythm of work and rest that God has built into the natural world and into us, and the gift of Shabbat, of ceasing, of, of pausing, uh, that God has given to us since the very beginning. Uh, we'll start this morning in Isaiah 58. We're going to look at a passage. We'll return to it uh, later in the message. But hear the word of the Lord. Keep the Sabbath day holy. That means set apart. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Do not pursue your own interests on that day, but enjoy the Sabbath. Speak of it with delight as the Lord's holy day. Honor the Sabbath and everything you do on that day. 
And don't follow your own desires or talk idly. Then the Lord will be your delight. I will give you great honor and satisfy you with the inheritance I promised to your ancestor Jacob. I, the Lord, have spoken. So what is the center of gravity in that text, in those words from God? Hint, it's not you. It's not us. It's all about God. In fact, that instruction to us is all about dialing down me and dialing up the Lord, turning away from my interests and turning to Him, not speaking idly, not saying lots of things, but listening to Him. That is what that passage is about so that I can, what? So that I can enjoy the ceasing, enjoy the rest, enjoy the Shabbat. Jesus understood it. Jesus practiced it. Um, and it's what really put him at odds with the scribes, the Pharisees, the religious leaders around him. It's what put him in constant tension on that day of the week, sundown Friday to sundown on Saturday. It was filled with tension wherever Jesus was because somehow, some way, they, the establishment, had made it about them, about their compliance with very complex rules, 24 chapters of Sabbath rules in the Mishnah. They had made it about them. They had made it about their judging of others who violated their rules when it came to the Sabbath, their protocols. And so this gift, this blessing to be enjoyed, the Sabbath had become laden with the heavy freight of self-righteousness, of individual spiritual performances. The word of the Lord calls the people of the Lord back to Sabbath, this day that is set apart, that's different from the other days, that is to be clearly, in Isaiah and other passages, clearly it is to be not a burden, but a blessing to God's people. So, a few things in this passage about the rhythms of the Sabbath. One of those things is we return to what the meaning of this time with the Lord is. I turn away, Isaiah talks about this, his words from the Lord. I turn away from my agenda, my profit making, my goals. I turn, I've got six days for those. I turn my face away from those and to my God. Don't pursue, verse 13, your own interests on that day. Don't chase the dollar on that day. Don't work through your to-do list on that day. I find enjoyment just being in His presence. I have a feeling a lot of those people around Jesus who are judging and criticizing have no idea what that even enjoyment in God's presence yeah, you've got to be able to unplug. You've got to be able to face the Lord and rejoice in His blessings in order to enjoy His fellowship. 
feel peace and power from him. I rest finally in the knowledge that he will continue to take care of me. Even while I'm sleeping, he is working, he is taking care, he has got me. I'm secure in him. Verse 14, I will give you great honor. I will satisfy you. God says, I am taking care of you. So Jesus had these rhythms of Sabbath baked into how he lived. He was, I mean, (laughs) attentive to God. He enjoyed being with the Father. He absolutely had this security that God has taken care of me. God will take care of me. He understood that his life had no meaning and no power apart from the Father, apart from God. There's a story a few years back about a wealthy Chicago businessman who took a vacation with his wife to the beautiful country of Belize. And he loved more than anything on his free time, this businessman, this investment banker, loved to fish like some of y'all. And so what he did was he found a local fisherman and hired him out to take him out to the best spot. And they spent a day fishing early in the morning while it was still dark into the afternoon. And he hauled in more fish than he had ever hauled in, this businessman. It was a great day. And better than anything, he formed a, con- a-, a connection with this poor local fisherman. They-, they just enjoyed each other's company. And so when they got back to the shore, this local fisherman invited the American and his wife over for dinner He said, my wife and I will clean the fish, we'll cook the fish, and we'll enjoy a night together. And so they walked down the beach and walked to this fisherman's home that evening, and they enjoyed a delicious meal with him in this kind of impoverished shack there on the the seashore. Poor fisherman looked like, from all appearances, barely able to make ends meet, but they were happy. And so after dinner... The wealthy American and the local fishermen, they were sitting on the porch, sipping coffee, listening to the waves crash against the beach. And the investment banker saw an opportunity to pass on some of his wisdom to this local fisherman. He said, you know, if you took your boat out more times each day, you would actually be able to haul in more fish. The local fisherman said, oh, really? Why, why would I want to haul in more fish? <laughs> the American banker decided it was time to give this poor fellow uh, an economics lesson, the basics of capitalism. He said, here's the thing. If you had more fish to sell, you would make more money. The local fisherman said, okay, uh, but why would a guy like me need more money? The retired banker chuckled at the guy's naivete and he said, well, you make more money, then you can buy a bigger boat. (laughs) Fisherman still didn't seem to be tracking with the banker and he said, well, why would I need a bigger boat? 
And the Americans said, if you get a bigger boat, you haul in more fish on each trip out. And you haul in more fish, you make more money. Then you could buy more boats and maybe... At some point, you're actually hiring staff with all of these boats and you're multiplying the amount of money that you're making. And now the fisherman looked really confused. He said, I don't get it. Why does a guy like me need to make all of this money? The investment banker said, check this out. If you keep expanding your business, one day you will be able to retire a wealthy man just like me and you will be able to do things that you have always wanted to do. Like, look at me, the banker said. I'm able to hang out on a beach and just fish all day. Yeah. The fisherman just kind of shook his head and said, you Americans are crazy. <laughs> Hang out on, on a beach and fish all day, which is exactly what I, al I already get to do. <laughs> well, there are important questions that this story raises. One of them is, is just this. Why do you do what you do? Like, when you wake up in the morning... What is the purpose of your life? What is your role in the world? And what if the thing you really needed, what if the thing that was most important was actually right in front of you, there for the taking? What if you're missing at this moment the greatest treasure of life which you already have but you're not accessing. <laughs> Jesus, the one who once told us, I have come so that you will have life and you will have it in abundance. Jesus declared to people like us that two things really matter. Two things really define us. Two things really give us purpose. One of them is to love God. Matthew chapter 27, love God. And the other is love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says all of life, in fact, all of Scripture, all of it, hinges on just those two things. Do you love God? Do you love the people made in the image of God who you encounter? Matthew 22, verse 40, Jesus said, On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Read that with me if you would. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Everything else is a footnote. It all hinges on that. The purpose of life encapsulated in two simple ideas, loving God, loving people made in the image of God. So we go back to the beginning. We go back to the first verses of Genesis chapter 2 when God takes the very first Shabbat. He works in creating the universe and then he takes a day off. And that Sabbath then becomes a model. It becomes an example for generations of his children to follow. It's a gift. It's a blessing. 
I've built this rhythm into the world. You enjoy this rhythm, and you will do, do well. You'll connect with me. You'll connect with people around you, your family, your church family. You will rest, and your work will not consume you. You need the Shabbat. You need the ceasing. You need the pause. And so the Ten Commandments, centuries later, the Ten Commandments codify this. They put it into the law. This is now something you must do. It is, it is very important. One of God's top ten. And somehow after that, in the generations to come, this gift became a burden. It became heavy. It became hard. It became cumbersome. It became incredibly complex. And so lost was the original meaning and purpose of the Shabbat, of the Sabbath. So lost was it that when God came in human flesh, when God came in, in Jesus and he kept the Sabbath, it looked to the religious establishment like he was breaking the Sabbath. How crazy is that? God shows up. The Lord of the Sabbath, the one who came up with it, and he keeps it, and it looks like he's breaking it. That's what was going on in Jesus' day. A.J. Swoboda wrote a book called Subversive Sabbath. It's a good book. Here's something he has to say about our struggle to understand this gift for what it really is. He writes, the Sabbath is a gift we do not know how to receive. In a world of doing, of going, and producing, we have no use for a gift that invites us to stop. But that is the original gift, a gift of rest. Of course, at the world's beginning... God finishes the very first week by extending to the whole of creation a gift, a day to stop, breathe, cease, enjoy, feast. God named it Sabbath. That Sabbath day, time honored and approved, has sustained and nourished human communities and all of creation since the origins of the world. Since like many of God's gifts, still rather, like many of God's gifts, we have struggled to receive it. <laughs> In church life, we bicker over its validity. We argue over what day Sabbath has to be. We get trapped in Sabbath rules and nuanced doctrinal rationale for why we no longer need to, con to seriously consider it. I like this line. Religion hates free stuff. <laughs> Religion hates free stuff. Religion squanders the good gifts of God by trying to earn them. 
which is why we will never really enjoy a sacred day of rest as long as we think our religion is all about earning. And that reminds me of that passage that we heard from the Lord in Isaiah 58 earlier. We make it about us, about what we do, instead of making it a day to rest in Him. Your Sabbath day, maybe a Sunday, maybe a Tuesday, but it is your day to rest from your work and to remember the finished work of Jesus at Calvary, the most important work ever done on your behalf. It is your time to stop worrying and your time to remember that which matters most. And it's not what you produce. It is not what you make or build or sell. On Sabbath, we connect with the presence of God. We connect with the promises that we have from God through Jesus. On Sabbath, we rest in the certainty that our eternal future is guaranteed in Christ. On Sabbath, we rest from our work and we reconnect with the one who matters most through our worship. We reconnect with our families on the Sabbath and with our spiritual family on the Sabbath. And in rediscovering this sacred rhythm since the beginning of time built into our world, the sacred rhythm of Sabbath, we don't lose our life, we gain it. We find it. We don't become less, we become more. We actually become more ourselves. We rediscover that we are children of God because of God's gift of Sabbath. Let's think for a moment about, about Jesus himself, Lord of the Sabbath. We are told in Luke chapter 5, verse 16, that Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Scott told us the boondocks, the sticks. He often withdrew. He often retreated to lonely places. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about, you know, if Jesus hadn't wasted all of that time, <laughs> if he had actually kept on healing people, how many more people could he, could, could he have healed? If he hadn't wasted that time, disconnecting, disengaging, retreating, withdrawing, how many more could he have fed? How many more hundreds or thousands could he have fed? How many more sermons could he have preached? 
How many more lessons could he have impressed upon people about the things of God? If he hadn't wasted all of this time often withdrawing, uh, Luke says, often withdrawing. If he hadn't wasted all that time, how much more could he have gotten done? And it's not like he had that much time anyways. His career, three years, give or take, three years, 36 months, the ministry career of Jesus, much of which was spent withdrawing, just being alone and praying. On the other hand, in history, has there ever been a life which impacted the world as profoundly as his? In all of time, has the world ever been changed by a single individual like it was changed by this carpenter from Nazareth? Hmm. Interesting, isn't it? Maybe. Resting isn't a waste of time. Maybe stopping my work and remembering his work isn't useless. Maybe it's the most important, most vital thing I do in my schedule. Maybe it's the most powerful moment of my week. To quote the great 20th century theologian, Winnie the Pooh, don't underestimate the value of doing nothing, of just going along, listening. I like this phrase, listening to all the things that you can't hear. How many things are we unable to hear because we're always doing something? We're always checking something. We're always needing to finish something. And so we don't hear the things that, that God is saying to us. What I want to do is leave you with just a few ideas about shaping your Sabbath. Uh, this is not a comprehensive list. Say that. There's some flexibility here as well. Your list may look different from someone else's, may need to look different from someone else's. But here are some ideas, many of which you'll see come from Scripture, not all of them. One of them is just rest. That's what it means. Shabbat is to rest. It's to pause. The original Ten Commandment here, on its Sabbath you shall not do any work. It's a day to gather for worship. It's what we're doing now. Good job. It's a day to gather for worship. Jesus did this. This was his habit. On the day of worship, he showed up to be with God's people. Luke chapter 4, verse 16. Interesting here. As was his custom. Underline that. As was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. Is that your custom? 
During the pandemic, I think some of our customs got changed. I wonder if it's time for some to consider getting back to that, to making that a custom again. We are followers of Christ. This was his custom, going to church. Now, you may think, well, Gordon, of course. He went where the crowds were, so, you know, he could teach the crowd. Look, when you do miracles, you don't need to go where the crowds are, right? That's not why he was there. He was there because he needed to humble himself and be with God's people in the house of the Lord, worshiping. It's a day to remember. Remember what God has done for you that is so important. We're told in Deuteronomy 5.15, and this is a passage about the purpose of the Sabbath. It says, remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and that the Lord your God, he brought you up out of there. The most important deliverance, while you weren't a slave in Egypt, I get that, but your most important deliverance from the slavery of sin and shame, it wasn't something that you pulled off. It wasn't due to your hard work. This is the gospel. He brought you out of that. By the blood of the lamb, he brought you out of that. And so we remember that. It's a day to pray. Jesus often withdrew to pray. It's a day to unplug from those normal draining activities and responsibilities. It's a day to consider setting the phone aside. Or not checking it as often. Isaiah 58, obviously written well before the age of the smartphone, 8th century B.C. Isaiah 58 talks about us not talking idly. I think that's kind of avoiding the trivial. Avoiding the frivolous. And I wonder if Isaiah 58, if it was written today, might say something about, quit checking your phone 900 times a day on Sabbath. It's a day to enjoy nature. It's a day to play. It's a day to spend time with your family. So let me ask you something. Have you trusted in the finished work of the gospel? Have you put your faith in Jesus and in what he accomplished for you? Have you surrendered your life to him? Declaring him to be your Lord and Savior. Baptism is an act of surrender. It is not something you do. It is something you accept. It is something you wear. It is something he gives you. As he washes your sins away and he gives you the gift of his Holy Spirit. It's the starting point for this journey of freedom and grace in Jesus. Maybe this morning you simply need the prayers of your family here at Preston Crest. We would urge you to respond, to come down. We'd love to pray with you or pray with somebody beside you. Or if you're at home, pray right there on your couch with your loved one. 
as we respond in worship now. Let's stand together. Oh, praise the name of the us that part of the Sabbath is to meet together. And the Hebrew writer in, in Hebrews chapter 10 talked about that as well, that it's good for us to be together, to stir one another up, encourage one another, and, and to encourage one another. It's good to see so many people here, and we're also thankful for those who joined us online as well. If you uh, are able to do so, join us for our classes, which will be starting in just a moment. We've got an adult class as close as across the hall. I'll be in there in just a little while, but we've got other adult classes up on the, uh, the second floor of the north side. Children's ministry is on uh, the north I think I just said the south, uh, north side. The south side is adult, north side is children's, is upstairs as well, and then the classes across the street. Join us for class. We look forward to meeting you and, and seeing you there. Uh, hear the word of the Lord and, and read this with me as we close our worship this morning from Matthew chapter, 60, uh, chapter 6, verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And the church said? Amen.